0: Take your Bibles out with me. Turn to James chapter 2. We are teaching through the book of James. Through the bo- we're ending up the year taking you through a book of the Bible, chapter by chapter, journeying through James. Uh, a sermon series that we've entitled, Faith Works faith works. Amen. And it is so true with the chapter that uh, we're ministering on this morning. I've just come from Solid Rock Cafe and uh, our morning song services, and uh, two adults gave their heart and lives to Jesus Christ this morning in Solid Rock Cafe. Two brand new visitors. Two brand new visitors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I don't know the situation, but uh, one of them uh, was uh, uh, an Arab from the Middle East that was there and gave his... I don't know the background there. I don't know if there's a Muslim faith there or not, but uh, we just thank the Lord for what he is doing. Listen, the, the answer to the world's problems, once again, is definitely not war and violence, but the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, one by one, for the glory of God. Well, I'm so thankful you've come to church this morning, and you didn't uh, join the uh, Bambi Hunters, and you're faithful to God's house. Oh, God help those guys that, I mean, put sugar beets and apples at the same tree all year long, and then get up in that tree, and then when Bambi comes by, bam! You know, and it... I I don't understand the sport of the pray for Pastor Hal. (laughs) And those that uh, have followed him in Bambi hunting, uh, yes, and that's where he's at. Uh, This is the annual pilgrimage to the great white north. I don't know if it's white, but to the north uh, to go Bambi hunting. Uh, I had my first Bambi encounter this week. And I wasn't hunting. It was Monday night. I had just taken Becky out on an expensive date. That's right. I took my wife, I took your pastor's wife, out to dinner at Country Inn. I splurged. I even split a rice pudding dessert with her. Um, We're talking big ticket items here. We were leaving that restaurant and uh, driving westbound on 23 Mile, just east uh, of Hayes. Uh, I mean, it's dark, dark. Uh, isn't it something how early uh, it gets dark now? And it's just pitch black. Uh, bam! That quick. You know, I've had... I've had Deer go across the road, and I see him. I can swerve slow. I know you're supposed to drive through them. Like, Don't give me emails. Tell me how to drive. You know, but I, I usually have. Uh, but bam! I mean, it was right there, right that quick. Uh, I just got a flash in front of my headlights, a brown, and I mean, it hit bam hard. <laughs> you got the impression. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I woke some of you up. And I, ah, uh, my third accident with this car. Do you believe some cars are cursed? You know, all three. All, none of them are my fault. And uh, all three. And so I pull into the parking lot there at Imagine Theater under the uh, big pole light. And I, I'm examining the, the front of it. I, I'm expecting the whole thing to be just, you know, really smashed. And uh, the bumper was just jutting out a bit. And I just slapped it, and uh, it snapped right into place. That's it. Favor, favor. Favor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my. Uh, it, it must not have been a big deer. It must have been a, have been a small one. Small, ba- they're out and about. Uh, I understand Pastor Hal was giving me all the explanations on it. Mating season, I don't know, hunters, they're, they're out and about. Uh, you, you know, it's either a small deer or somebody's dog is limping somewhere. I don't. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Uh, I mean, I, but I believe, I, I believe uh, uh, it, it, it was a deer. Uh, I you know, it's interesting when you look at that issue of believe, belief in America today. You want to hear some good news I'm saying this very facetiously good news more in America today are making a profession of faith than ever before over 90% believe in God over 90% believe in heaven over 50% believe in hell notice the difference Mega churches are on the rise everywhere across our country. The Christian media is just exploding. Every candidate running for the office of president has made a profession of faith in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm pulling your chain. Yet in the midst of all the religious talk, in in the middle of all the the, the faith talk, all the uh, 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 Christian talk, a voice rises up and leaps across the centuries and issues us a warning. The voice of the Apostle John. James listen to what he says James 2 verse 19 are there still some among you who hold that only believing is enough believing in one God well remember that the demons believe this too so strongly that they tremble in terror fool when will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do faith that does not result in good deeds It's not real faith. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Dead also. This word that James gives us was never more timely. The church that James was talking to was a church that was being persecuted for its beliefs. Persecuted for its lifestyle. Persecuted for the values it held in God's word. And the church was starting to cave in, cop out, and compromise. And James reminds them, belief is not enough. You must walk the talk and not just talk the talk. I believe persecution is coming to the Christian church. And I believe that that persecution will not take place just in the Great Tribulation. I believe that before we see and witness the rapture of the church, we as a church are going to experience persecution. I just was notified by our insurance company this weekend. They're offering us insurance uh, as protection against what I preach and teach in the case of lawsuits. The Christian church in America, I believe, is going to come under more and more pressure to compromise our values and our biblically held beliefs. There is a moral meltdown going on in our nation that would make Sodom and Gomorrah wince. I'm watching watching, uh, the news this morning, early Sunday morning, and commercial comes on. Campbell's Soup commercial. Oh, what a quaint, cute little commercial as dad is talking to his son here who is enjoying Campbell's Soup. And then all of a sudden the camera moves over and dad number two is sitting on the other side of the boy. Tommy has two dads. Persecution is coming. And there's going to come a moment in time where the church will have to make a decision. You and I will have to make a decision. Will we obey God or will we obey man? That's why it's time right now. You don't wait for when that time happens. It's time right now to build up our faith muscles. It's time right now to grow up spiritually. It's time to move beyond mere believing into living what we believe. And that's why I want to preach a message that the Lord's laid upon my heart this morning based on James chapter 2. I preach a word to you this morning entitled, Beyond belief, beyond belief. Father, grant us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church in this hour, and grant us hearts to receive. Lord, help us to move beyond mere belief into action for the glory of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus and all God's people would say, Amen. James chapter 2 verse 1, fill in the blank with me, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Favoritism. Here in James chapter 2, James is developing the thought of faith without works is dead. He's developing the thought that mere belief, mental assent, or mere talk is cheap. We have to see it translated into action. One example he gives is favoritism. In that day and time, in that day and time, it was common in the church for them to show favoritism upon the rich over the poor. They would make a great show of bringing the rich man down to the front and give the rich man the best seat in the house while the poor were left to sit in the back. And James is saying, woe be upon you if your church sign, your church sign says, all are welcome. Woe be upon you if all of you are singing, yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. And it's on your signs and it's in your singing, but it's not in your lifestyle. My church staff, your pastors, your ministry directors will bear witness with me. They'll testify of what I have told them over and over and over again. People will forget our sermons, our preaching, our teaching. I have a hard time remembering what I preached last week. (laughs) But they'll always remember if we cared for them, if we loved them, we remember them in their time of need. My pastors and my ministry directors will testify to this. I have sat them down, I've looked them in the eye, and I have said, I want no favoritism at Lakeside Assembly of God. And that favoritism hasn't, It's not just rich and poor. It's not just economic status. I'm talking about racism. I will not allow it or tolerate it in this church. I will not. I will not. I will not allow this church to be run by or just on the stage or in our ministries be just baby boomers, my age group. I want the young people, I want our young adults to take ownership in this service. I want you to see them in the choir. I want you to see them in the praise team. I want you to see them ushering. This must be a multi-generational assembly in church. And that also means we don't just focus on the young. I thank God for our seasoned saints as well, our prime timers here at Lakeside. Hallelujah! We're not just going to sing songs that uh, I can't figure out, that the lyrics are so weird and offbeat. We're going to sing the hymns of the faith. You heard it here this morning. We have a standing rule with that. The Bible says we're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. Let's not just believe it. Let's practice it. Amen? Because faith without works is dead. Oh, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Uh, We've got a precious, precious family that, uh, God forbid, but it happens because of employment, they're being moved out of state. And uh, the wife just sent me the most precious, precious email. I want to share with you a selected portion from that. Not only was it encouragement, to me as your pastor but it was encouragement to you as a church let me show you that right now she said I hope you will tell the Lakeside family to never lose their desire to not just smile and say hi to new faces but to always take the time and make the effort to make people feel wanted like they did with our family that alone will feel like a healing balm to all the hurting hearts that come in the doors. Can I hear an amen to that? God bless you, Lakeside. If you're a guest here this morning, you have come into the most loving, accepting church. And uh, you let me know if they don't greet you. You let me know if they don't say hello to you and find out your name, because we want you to feel loved at home. You have found your church. Amen? No favoritism here whatsoever. We want to to live out what we believe. That yes, we love you with the love of the Lord. Fill in the blank, if you would, with me. Realize that James chapter 2 is all about a revelation of overcoming faith. You want to know what overcoming faith is? Victorious faith? Faith. Faith that will build up your spiritual muscles. Faith that will bring overall spiritual maturity. You need to read James chapter 2. That's why I'm preaching it this morning. Here it is. James says in verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If I wanted to choose a theme verse for the entire book of James, it's verse 26. James is saying we must live beyond belief. We must live out our Christianity. Faith is not only trusting. Faith is also obeying the Lord. Real Christ followers don't just talk the talk. They walk the talk. I said they walk the talk. I said they walk the talk. Amen. 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 I'm getting worried you're asleep out there. Somebody help me. Help me preach here this morning. You see... What does it all add up to? Overcoming faith is being a word-doer. We've got too many believers in America today and not enough word-doers. Don't just tell me that you believe Jesus is Lord. Live like it. Even the demons believe Jesus is Lord. That's the essence of James. Faith works. That's what he's talking about here this morning. James reveals a startling truth. Write it down. Christians will be judged on whether or not they were word-doers. You're going to be judged for that. Did you realize that? But, Pastor, I thought the judgment was just for sinners. That's the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20. First Corinthians 3 is clear that we Christians will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. We will not be judged on our salvation. We're already in heaven. We will not be judged in how many Bible verses that we memorize. That's important though. We will not be judged on how much systematic biblical theology that we understand, though that's important. We will be judged on how much of this word, God's written will, that we have obeyed. You're going to be judged on it. Pastor, you got Bible on that? You got Bible on that? James 2.12, you will be judged on whether or not you are doing what Christ wants you to do. So watch what you do. And watch what you think. The blessings of obedience. What are the blessings of being a word-doer? Well, James begins this thought. He really begins his his thinking in James 2. He really begins it in James chapter 1. I want to remind you that in ancient times when the Bible was originally written, there were no chapter numbers. There were no verse numbers. It all ran together. So his thinking behind faith without works is dead begins in chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into God's word that gives freedom, and, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, uh, but doing it, but doing it. There's the emphasis. They will be what? Blessed in what they do. Would you circle that word, blessed? Circle that word blood. That is vitally important for you to understand. That if you're a word-doer, God promises blessing in your life. So write it down. Real blessings are enjoyed by word-doers, those who are obedient to God's written will, His word. Word Word-doing brings God's blessings upon families. That's Bible. Deuteronomy 5. Keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Dad, you're the prime responsible party in this. Make sure that your marriage, your family is a word doing. Home. And God promises blessing upon your family. God blesses word doing. Word doers with health and a long life Uh, Walgreens there's there's something greater than your pills Walgreens there's something greater than your pills it's called the gospel how'd you like that that was a quick thought there that's the anointing (laughs) The Lord says that he'll give you a long life and a healthy life if you'll keep his word. Look at 1 Kings 3. If you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, I will give you what? A long life. You need to circle that, underscore it, highlight it. Obedient word doing will bring success and prosperity in your life. Listen to what God said to Joshua. His word stands forever. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Was that word given to Joshua only? No, God has no favorites. God is no respecter of persons, the Bible says. His word to Joshua is the same word given to you and I. It works. Obeying his word works. Listen, the Bible is a book of stories, true stories, narratives, accounts of men and women Who obeyed God's word, they didn't just believe it, they did it. Case in point, Noah. Noah. How many of you you're you're trying to listen to the sermon here this morning, but you're already got a things to do list in in your mental notepad. You're already worrying about the week ahead of you. You're already thinking about all I got to do. In fact, preacher, wind up, because I got leaves to rake when I get home. Should have taken care of him on Saturday. Sunday is the day of rest. (laughs) You think you have a long things to do list. Imagine if you were Noah. Noah. Noah was assigned by God the biggest boat building project in all human history. And all he had as far as resources was his three sons. You ever try to get your kids to work for you? And there was not one Black and Decker saw in sight. On top of that boat building project, what else did God assign to to, to Noah? Uh, It was the greatest zoological enterprise known to man. He was to gather all the animals two by two and bring them into the boat. Oh my. And to top it all off, God says the world is coming to an end. Noah was one of the first doomsday preppers of all time. I mean, you would almost think that Noah is sitting down with the Alka-Seltzer. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. No. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. There is no greater success epitaph written about your life, my life, than if God can say about us at the end of our days, He, she did everything I commanded him or her. You can fail at a lot of things in life. But if you're a success in being a word-doer and obeying God's ways, His will, and His word, in God's perspective, you are the greatest of all successes. Hallelujah. Noah did everything that God commanded. And what did God say about Noah? What was God's perspective on Noah? Look at verse 8. God, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, God was pleased with Noah. So the favor of God came upon him in a fresh new way, giving him unusual ability. And Noah's whole family was saved. Because dad heard from God and dad did what God commanded and his family was not only saved, they took the cruise of cruises. Look out, Carnival Cruise Line. Look out, Royal Caribbean. Hallelujah. Do what God says and your family's going to be blessed. Faith, faith, Faith with works. Faith in action. Being a word-doer is the story of Ruth. It's not just a story of guys. Ruth was the daughter-in-law of who? Naomi. Naomi. And Ruth and Naomi have experienced the worst and the most tragic experience. Any two women could experience in the ancient Middle Eastern world. Both women have lost their husbands to death. Two women in the Middle East in ancient times, it was the most tragic situation that you could ever possibly imagine. You were less than nothing. It was a death sentence. There's no welfare. There's no social security. There's no life insurance. It's an instant death sentence. So Naomi looks at her daughter-in-law. And says, Ruth, I want you to go back to your people. I want you to go back to your parents. I want you to go back to your gods. And let me die alone. What did Ruth say to her mother-in-law? Well, instead of quoting it, let's read it right now. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Hallelujah. Oh, what a faith statement. Now, it's one thing to make a faith confession. It's one thing to make a faith statement. It's a whole other thing to follow through with it. Especially with your (laughs) mother-in-law. Ruth did follow through with it. Her faith was mixed with works she follows her mother-in-law back to Israel and makes the God of Naomi her God. And we find that on our first day back, they're hungry, they need food. And because Ruth made Naomi's God her God, God can now bless, God can now prosper, God can now guide and direct. And Ruth uh, is harvesting. She's gleaning grain, not in just some ordinary field. She's gleaning grain in the field of Boaz. I usually like your boyfriend's name to be Boaz. Wow, what a babe. Boaz is a babe. Wow, Boaz is buff. (laughs) And the Bible says that Boaz... On the very first day, noticed that young filly and said, she's good looking. (laughs) And he fell in love with her. Ruth fell in love with him. And overnight, the curse turned to blessing. Poverty turned to prosperity. And Ruth became the ancestor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're here this morning because of Ruth, a pagan girl who said, your God will be my God. (laughs) And she lived it. Uh, Faith with works became alive and overcoming. God blessed Ruth because she was a woman who was a word doer. How how about, how about, let me give you one more. How about Abraham and Sarah? What can we say about Abraham and Sarah? So many times, if we were to paint a picture uh, of the men and women of the Bible, we would paint them like the stained glass artists. We'd put halos over their head. (gasps) We think of, These men and women of the Bible is such saintly, super spiritual, holy people. What can we say about Abraham and Sarah? Talk about a dysfunctional home. What are you talking about, Pastor? Hey, how would you like to live? How many of you, how many of you women, how many of you women would live under the same roof as your husband's mistress? Not just one week, but year in and year out. The mistress that gave him a son. Who conceived a son by him. Hey, reality TV has nothing on the Bible. (laughs) For you that are having some problems in your home right now, come on, read the story of Abraham and Sarah. I mean, it was pretty bleak. It was pretty bad. And they were both at fault. Abraham, Abraham followed his wife's lead instead of ministering to her need. And that's what got everything in trouble. And, and, and what happened in Paris this weekend is all those, you can trace it all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. All of it. But Abraham and Sarah said, we're going to go God's way. We're not going to walk out. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. And they committed it unto the Lord. Read the scriptures. And Abraham kept loving his wife, Sarah, even though she could not give him a child He is now 100 years old. I mean, he is just really making it on the Social Security. Social Security never thought Abraham would live to 100. I mean, he is making out like a bandit. Sarah is how old? 90! 90! Yes! And God spoke to Abraham. Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham, Your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Hear the word of the Lord. Abraham heard it. He believed it. He received it. The question is, will Abraham and Sarah act upon it? Think about it. Remember, faith without works is... Last time I heard, it takes two. Oh, you've heard the story. Abraham came home and he said honey honey I've just been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting at Lakeside Assembly of God and God has said we're gonna have a baby we're gonna have a child and Sarah she did not doubt but she believed and received that night they had a second honeymoon and with a battery that was twice dead God re-cranked that old battery of Abraham and and Sarah and sparks flew from the north to the south of Israel Hallelujah, because faith without works is what? Dead. Oh, some of you super spiritual people, I don't. I love our Lord. Our Lord is so practical, and He's the God of second honeymoons. Hallelujah. He's the God of the miraculous. We are here this morning because Abraham and Sarah believed and received the word of the Lord and then acted upon it with a second honeymoon. Yes. Some of you, some of you, you've had some terrible times in your home. Some of you have had some terrible times lately in your marriage. I want to give you a word this morning when God looks back upon our lives, when God looks back upon our families and our marriages, if we will choose today to be a word-doer, when God looks back from his perspective, he won't see the sin, he won't see the faults, he won't see the failings. All he'll see are your good moves, your obedience, your your word doing. What are you talking about, pastor? When God looked back in the New Testament, back on the Old Testament, when God looked back on Abraham and Sarah. He didn't see the mistress. He didn't see the failings. He didn't see the flaws. He didn't see the dysfunctional home. What did God see? Oh, you got to read it in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham. By faith Sarah. All he saw was their faith. By faith Abraham was looking forward to the city whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand upon the seashore. Oh Sir, ma'am, young person, will you decide today? Will you start today to be a word-doer? If God said it, I believe it, I receive it, I'll obey it, I'll act on it. That settles it. I'm going to be a word-doer. If you'll start doing that today, from God's perspective, all he'll see are your good moves. All he'll see is your obedience. All he'll see is the beauty. All he'll see is the faith. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. How many of you, how many of you would like to save thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars? If you don't raise your hand, I want to have an appointment with you this week because you're nuts. (laughs) You need some help. I want to especially talk to married couples. I want to especially talk to married couples right now. How many of you married couples? Let's talk about your budget right now. I've sat down with a lot of faces that I'm looking at and we've talked about your budget. Let's talk about your budget. Let's talk about uh, your dreams for the future with, with uh, your monies. How many of you married couples, how many of you family heads would like to save thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars? Hallelujah. I got both of mine raised. Sure. Do you know how much marriage counseling costs you today per hour? hundred and fifty bucks an hour for a marriage therapist on average how much does the good divorce attorney cost you how much will it cost you to go to divorce court how much will it cost you in the long run in pain in agony what will it cost your children Let me set you free this morning. If you will just follow this, I can save you thousands and thousands of dollars and far more than that, I can save you pain beyond imagination. What am I talking about? Will you choose to be a Bible husband? Will you choose to be a Bible wife? You can save me a lot of time. And again, us pastors, we're here to counsel you. We're here to spend time with you. But you can can save us time so we can focus on other needs in the church. Just do it. If it says it, do it. What does it say? Wives, what does it say? Wife, if you're going to be a Bible wife, what does it say? get that word submit out because that that word submit is true for both husband and wife Ephesians Ephesians 5.21 submit ye one to another in the fear of the Lord so they're both to submit to one another it's the form of submission that's different how is a wife supposed to respond to her husband with respect To follow his leadership. Let him be a man. There is built within a man the desperate need to be a man. That which separates us from women is more than physical anatomy, it's the male ego. And it's labeled fragile, handle with care. Respect him. Let him lead. Well, pastor, he doesn't deserve it. You don't know what's gone down in the home. He doesn't deserve it. Then give it to him on credit. You do everything else on credit. Well, he doesn't make good decisions. He married you, didn't he? Well, pastor, I'll do it when he does to me. When he starts loving me like he should, then... Scripture doesn't say that. The issue is, are you going to be a word-doer? You know what the Scripture says there in Ephesians 5? Point blank. Read it, girls. Scripture says in Ephesians 5.22 and following, do it as unto the Lord. I, I let Becky down time and time again. She has not married Jesus. I know this was a big shock to her. (laughs) And that's the problem with a lot of you girls. You think, you know, your expectations are perfection. There's only one that is perfect. And he ain't it. (laughs) And neither are you. He's going to let you down. That's why you need, you need to do what the Bible says irregardless on how he responds because Jesus will never let you down. So do it unto Jesus. Do it unto Jesus. Do it unto Jesus. Do it unto Jesus. If you want corn, plant corn. If you want corn, plant corn. But if you're planting corn, you're not going to get wheat. If you want love... Plant what the Bible says. Sow good seed and you reap a harvest. Husbands, will you be a Bible husband? Will you be a Bible husband? If you're going to be a Bible husband, if you're going to be a word doer, that means that every single day you've got to die, buddy. You've got to experience death. You've got to die. What are you talking about, Pastor? Read the scriptures. You're to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. That doesn't mean just merely taking the bullet for your wife. Oh, you're crazy. doesn't mean just pushing her out of the way and you get hit by the Mack truck. It means die to your selfish desires, your selfish needs, your OCD perfectionism. Die to your selfish desire to make her your slave. And come alive to her needs. Come alive to her happiness. You know what my greatest thrill in life is? And I'm not lifting up Phil Crist. But I'm I'm being honest with you. I didn't really get jazzed when she giggles and I do something for her. I give her something. I take her to somewhere special. uh, I find out something that's going to really please her. I mean, I live for that. And I'm not blowing, please, please, please. I'm not blowing my horn. I'm just saying, guys... There's no greater fun in life than pleasing your wife, identifying what her needs are, and making her happy. Every word of counsel that I'm giving right now is all Bible-based. Sir, ma'am, just do the Word! Follow the Scripture! Follow God's plan! If you've got a husband that's dying to what he wants and coming alive to what his wife wants, And loving her as Christ loved the church. And you've got a wife who's a word-doer. And she's respecting her husband. She is encouraging his leadership in the home. What kind of home do you think we're going to have? What kind of a marriage do you think we're going to have? We're going to save you thousands upon thousands of dollars. We're going to save you all kinds of pain, betrayal, and rejection. And what will be the fruit? What will be the harvest? You'll be able to sit down with one another and say, I want to grow old with you. You're my best friend. You'll be able to sit there and watch your children grow up. And you'll pass on a holy heritage to them. Their marriages will be healthy. Their marriages will be Bible marriages. You'll watch your grandchildren rise up. The blessing of the Lord will be upon your home your children, your children's children, all because you're a word-doer. You have determined, come hell or high water, I'm going to be a Bible husband. I'm going to be a Bible wife for the glory of the Lord. Now, some of you I've left out with that whole example. I've, I've done nothing but given you one example. It was marriage. I've given you an example of what it means to just follow God's Word, believe it, receive it, and act on it. What would happen to these United States of America if America not only believed the Bible, but practiced the Bible? What would happen in this country if we obeyed God's Word and we were word-doers? Oh, think of that with me real quick here. At the core of God's Word are His Ten Commandments. What are His Ten Commandments? Oh, oh, write it down if you would. Imagine what would happen in America. Commandment number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What would happen if our country practiced that? Our country would see the end of paganism, secular humanism, Satanism, and hedonism. The neo-pagans would stop hugging trees right and left and worshiping Mother Earth. We would be reminded of the truth that is written upon our currency. In God we trust. Hallelujah. Commandment number two, thou shalt not make for yourself any graven, carved image. You shall know not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. If America obeyed that commandment, we wouldn't see people bowing down to Hollywood stars, to to the movies, to TV sets. Uh, We wouldn't be worshiping the stuff that we accumulate in our basements, our garages, and our attics. uh, Because it's all going to burn up and we'd find out that our only joy comes from serving Jesus Christ commandment number three thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain what would happen if we practice that we would see the end of profanity by the way when you use God's name in vain you curse your very soul Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What would happen if our nation obeyed that commandment? If we followed that commandment, our churches would be packed out every single Sunday. You'd be hard put to find a seat. We'd be able to see also the end of welfare. Because six days a week, the men would be working for the glory of God. How about thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother? What if America followed that commandment? We'd see the end of juvenile delinquency as children would respect their parents. We would see the end of violent gangs terrorizing our cities. Uh, We would see America's little darlings saying, Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Can I hear an amen? Amen. How about the commandment, thou shalt not murder uh, and thou shalt not steal. You'd see the end of crime waves. We would save billions of tax dollars as prisons would be turned into educational schools. How about the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The divorce rate would stop. They would drop to zero as couples recommitted themselves one to another. We'd see the end of sexually transmitted diseases. Homes would become a little slice of heaven on earth as couples uh, rededicated themselves to be the best parents possible. How about thou shalt not bear false witness? The judicial system could once again bring equal justice under the law. Politicians would have to, no matter if they make an oath and put their hand in the Bible, if they say something, they would have to do it and not go back on their word and no longer lie from the White House uh, to your house. By obeying God, truth would be truth. How about the command, thou shalt not covet. Our nation would no longer be divided by materialism. Everyone would be content to live with the blessings that God has given them. What would happen if America obeyed the word of the Lord? We would enjoy blessings that would be unprecedented from the hand of God. Hallelujah. 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 I just heard about, maybe you heard the story too, of the recent graduation at Eastern Shore District High School. As Dale Sobeck joins me, or my keyboardist keyboard joins me right now. The graduation, the recent graduation at Eastern Shore District High School. The order went out from the courts the order went out from the courts that from now on there is to be no reference, no mention, no prayer to God, Jesus Holy Spirit those names are not to be mentioned no prayers are to be uttered no scriptures are to be read anyone disobeying this will be found guilty a penalty under the law and fines. 92 graduates in the graduating class. They all came walking down the center aisle two by two, shoulder to shoulder in their graduation robes, their caps, their gowns. The ceremony went on as ordered. They followed the strict guidelines of the court there was no mention of God no mention of prayer no prayers no scriptures just one ordinary routine speech after another your people of destiny have vision dream great dreams it was business as usual Graduation ceremony. Then finally, at the conclusion, the class president came up to the podium and stood there silently. And then gave the cue. He looked at all the graduates, and on cue, all of them achoo sneezed and he leaned over the podium and said God bless you (laughs) praise the Lord I like that you see God is looking God is looking for men and women boys and girls in this hour they're going to have not a wishbone of mere belief but a backbone faith with works walking the talk and not just talking the talk. How about it, Lakeside? Will that be said of you? That you have moved beyond belief? Oh, fill in that last blank. That last blank says the secret to living the obedient life. Oh, it's not self-discipline alone. It's not just sheer human effort. But it's by the empowerment. Of the Holy Spirit stand with me stand with me stand with me glory to God I'm so glad I'm so glad that the Lord has promised you and I some help in following his written will his written word his written ways I don't know about you I don't wake up every morning with the great desire to obey God's Word. I hope that's not a shock to you. I'm just like you, my blood's just as red. There's times I struggle to obey God's Word. But you know what? You don't have to be an obedient Christian through your own efforts only. God has promised us a holy helper to give us not only the desire but also the power to please God. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who am I talking about? Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit. us to obey your word help us to be bible husbands and bible wives help us O oh lord to be christians lord who live out a holy faith we don't just believe it but lord we obey it heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning how many how many How many are here this morning and you're not sure that you're right with God? You're not sure that you have a home in heaven? How many are here this morning that you're not sure that you're a Christian and you want to be sure? I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. A prayer that will make you right with God and put you on the highway to heaven. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, I want you to do something more than just believe. I want you to act on what you believe. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you demonstrate your faith if you want to be included in this prayer that'll save you? Lift up up your hand right now. Just lift it up right now. Act on your faith. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. How many more? Lift it up high so that I can see it. How many more? Two men, two men have lifted up their hands to Jesus. Amen. How many more? Lift it up high. Precious Jesus. Up in the balcony. How many? How many? I don't want to leave anybody out. Precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed this morning. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Make this prayer your prayer. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now, and I confess, I've sinned. I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A changed life. A new life. Lord, I want to be born again. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm changed. I'm cleansed. I'm on my way to heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I receive this as I believe it. Amen. Let's give God the glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.